My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 118 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for rocking with this pod. I'm really excited to have you as part of the fam. Remember, you can catch up with our online space on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. There's a link to that page in the show notes. And on Twitter, just use the hashtag Legally Clueless. I will find you. (laughs) However, if you are new here, audio episodes of this podcast go out every Monday morning and we have a video series on our YouTube channel. Yes, episodes there go up every single Friday morning. So check out the show notes for links to our YouTube channel, subscribe and turn on notifications. Now that that's done, (laughs) I really need to prepare you for this episode. Actually, the next two episodes of this podcast are going to be very heavy. The story that is featured is going to be in two parts. I decided to cut it that way because it's a very necessary story, but it's also quite heavy. And I think you need to just take a breather in between the two episodes. So here's what you can expect from the first part of the story that you'll hear a little later. When I was about five, six months pregnant, I discovered that he was in another relationship. We broke up. So fast forward, when he was about three years old, then I met my ex-husband. During this time, I saw that he couldn't connect with my son at all. And then a few minutes later, he comes back running and he's really crying and he's holding his head. And I ask him, hey, what happened? And he says, uh, dad hit me. In the midst of it all, he pushes me out of the house and he locks the gate. So I'm out. I have a two-month-old baby in the house. I have my son in the house. During this uh, argument when he was being beaten, my ex called him a bastard. And so he was asking the grandmother, what does a bastard mean? That's a story by Valentine. And it's going to be coming up a little later in this episode. Well, part one of the story. That said, I hope you're doing well. I hope you are experiencing a lot of grace. (laughs) You know, I'm always wishing you peace. I've just learned that grace fear needs to be in that mix. On my end, I'm not going to talk too much in this episode because I'm really trying to navigate a hectic childhood experience. Could I call it that? So I'm in a space in therapy where we are unpacking and re-navigating just experiences I've had with my late dad and how those have affected me. What I will share is that many a times, so two things. One, many a time we think that stuff that we've experienced or words that have been told to us or maybe even violence that we witnessed as kids hasn't or does not affect us as adults. It still does. Anything traumatic just finds a place in your even physical body and just rests there. It's hectic. Yeah, unpacking that. And then the second thing that I wanted to share is that, and I don't know if your mind does this as well, which is just like try and erase race things that are traumatic or that it deems traumatic. It's like a survival tactic. So I found that many things that I witnessed my dad do are damn near erased. (laughs) 
end to navigate them. Some of them are coming back up and I'm like, what? I didn't even remember that. That actually happened. And so because of that, I'm in a very pensive space in my life. Not bad. Like I'm not feeling sad about any experiences. It's just pensive. Like where I'm just trying to figure out the status before I start doing all the work. Of course, together with my therapist. So that's where I'm at. With all that TMI, <laughs> let's jump into the song of the week, which by the way, oh my goodness, I have to shout out a friend of mine, Soraya. Ugh, she's such an awesome person and she DM'd me this particular song and she was like, ah, whenever I listen to the song, I think about you. I don't know if you've shared it on your podcast. I was like, no, I have not. In fact, I have never heard this song. But now that you mention it and I've gone and found it, it is awesome. <laughs> So the name of the song is Worth It. It's by Amber Mark. Let me tell you, it's just one of those songs that like revalidates you when you're feeling a bit low, when you're doubting yourself. Mm, turn this song on. So I'll put a link to the song in the show notes. But in case you're listening on a platform that doesn't avail the show notes to you, just look for Worth It and it's by Amber Mark. Thank you, Soraya, for sharing that song with me. It is on my daily playlist now. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the story. As I mentioned earlier, it's part one of the story. Part two will come next week in next week's episode. I split them up because it's a, a very heavy story and I think we just need to have a breather at a point. And also because even when I was recording it, Valentine sent... No, she didn't actually send the demo. She signed up on the storyteller form. And then I reached out to her. And when we were recording it, it took us just over two hours to record this story. It is, it is a lot. But ultimately, what it is about is her ex-husband being so vicious and mean, not only to her, but specifically to her son. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. Hi, my name is Valentine. I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. Um, so I got my son. He's now 15 years old. I met his father where we were both working. Uh, we were pretty young, in our 20s. He was younger than me. And then after about one and a half years of dating, I got uh, pregnant. Um, when I was about five, six months pregnant, I discovered that he was in another relationship. And so we, we of course, we broke up. I went to live back home. And it was a very difficult pregnancy from an emotional and a physical perspective as well. Um, and I gave birth in 2006. Um, to my son, living with my folks, and uh, it was a tough first few years of his life, being first a young mom, a new mom, first a mom, and then of course with um, issues that had happened with my son's father, um, he totally vanished um, from our lives, so we popped in about once only when we were in the hospital, and uh, to see him, and maybe once thereafter at my parents' home, and then he disappeared. So I raised him up by myself from when he was born till now, essentially. We did part ways, what I would say, violently, or neither was it amicable. It was just um, having discovered what I discovered, I left our home, never went back, um, left everything in it, and just walked away and started a new life. And uh, after my son was born, he didn't come after us, and he didn't pursue us. So that just like ended 
uh, what I would call a natural, a natural death, if I could put it that way. He had no interest in uh, contact with him or looking for him. or And so he's never seen him from when he was a few months old to date. During that time, uh, my fears were largely about providing for my son, you know. Um, yes, I had a job and I did the best that I could. However, shortly after my maternity leave ended and I went back to work, I got retrenched because I was in um, advertising and comm space working in an agency. And the owner of the agency felt that um, as a new mom, I couldn't keep up with the new longer work with the work hours the longer work hours i had clients who were like in uh, alcohol industry etc so he he felt that i wouldn't be able to keep up with my accounts and so i got retrenched but uh, i had good solid support from my family from my folks and from my siblings um and so i stayed home with him actually for about one and a half years before i got another job in hindsight looking back that was one of the best things that could ever have happened. I don't think many kids get to have that privilege of being home with money for that long. And so it kind of helped cement the, the bond that we have. And also him growing up in the same house with my folks and with my siblings coming over a lot really helped um, really helped him a lot and to date i'm um, still pretty very close to my to his grandfather who's my dad very close to his grandmother my mom at the beginning i never really told him about his dad and he never asked but when he then got into the early teens about 10 11 he asked for the first time and so I I just explained to him in an age-appropriate way at that particular time that, uh, yeah, uh, we, we, it didn't work out between me and his dad, but that if ever he wanted to meet his father or to talk with him, I would try and find a way for that to happen. But he's pretty content, and he said, you know, he, he, he sees his his grandfather as his dad. So first forward, when he was about three years old, then I met my ex-husband. We were again workplace. When we started dating, he was just um, coming off his first marriage. Also, he said about late 2009, I moved out of home got my own place and um, he came in and stayed with us he had met my son by that time and was um, kind of friendly um, towards him so when i got my own place he came to live with us for a few months we lasted about three months um, then said it had a change of mind and wanted to try and uh, and make it work with his first family and so he left then after about a year he came back and said it hadn't worked out with his first wife um so he went through his divorce and everything uh, but when he came back we started living together again he went through his divorce and everything and uh yeah we started um, living together i remember when uh when i went to tell my folks about it my dad had a question and all he said was um, I have seen you with his kids because he had two kids one from his marriage and another one from uh, previous uh, he had gotten previously and uh, and he said when I see you with his kids I don't see the difference between how you treat your child and how you treat his kids but when I see him with uh, your son I don't get the feeling that 
he's attached to him. And so I tried to explain and say, oh, it's, it's different for men and uh, he'll, he'll get round to it, ETC. And uh, my dad kept saying that thing. About two years later, when we like did the foam ball, what do you call it, like um, Rurashio in Kipuyu, that's a community I come from. Again, my dad voiced the same concerns and said, I still don't see the connection. And he asked him to his face, are you going to take care of my of, of my grandson and he said yeah i will and he asked him what's your current challenge with bonding with him and he said oh no these things takes time and um and that it he would we started life and living together about four five years after we started living together then i i got pregnant and uh that's i would say would have been like the first big red flag There'd been others before, but I'd say that was the big one because he turned around and said he never wanted more kids and so um, was not supportive at all during that pregnancy. So for nine months, again, I found myself alone, but this time married in a relationship. But as far as the pregnancy was concerned, I was alone. So went for all the doctor's visits by myself, all the prenatal clinics. He didn't want to talk about it at all never at any point asked how I was doing or how the child was doing and the worst bit was that um, for actually nine months we never spoke and I mean living in the same house but we never spoke we would speak on chat on sms about mundane things you know like home things like this bill needs to be paid this needs to be done etc but we did not have a husband-wife conversation in those nine months. So in the last month, he seemed to turn around and uh, be more open. So he bought a couple of things for the baby. But by that time, essentially, I'd more or less done everything because I knew I was in it by myself. And the time came to go to the hospital to deliver. And uh, again, I drove myself to the hospital. He said he was in meetings. I went in and uh, it was a scheduled CS. And I went in and uh, got baby. Get up from the anesthesia, see my baby, and uh, happy to go home. And so um, when we go home with the baby. So during this time, I saw that he couldn't connect with my son at all. But it was kind of in a very reserved sort of back scenery thing. He would give him some weird rules for a kid who was uh, at that age when we got together he was up, when he came to live with us he was about four years old so that is between when he's about five years old and nine years old so things about don't sit on this seat um, don't touch my tv don't don't use this in the house don't use that when i come into the house i want to have my time with my tv so don't sit in the sitting room go to your room so things like that but there, at, until that point there was no open like physical violence or um, or anything like that until when the baby was about two months old so we had a routine because my son was in school at that point so we had a routine um, whereby in the evening when he came from school, after he did his homework, we would do bath time together for his baby sister. So, uh, and I would do the bath time in, in our bedroom. So he would come with me and we would prepare the, the bathing things and bath the baby. And then uh, when we finished doing bath, um, I would be left feeding, feeding the baby and then he would go to have his dinner. So on this day, it was a Sunday and I usually used to give my nanny off 
the, for the weekend. So she wasn't home either. And uh, my ex had gone out for a haircut and to the couch. So we did our thing. And then he came when we were in the middle of bath time and everything. And I could hear him in the sitting room. Um, then a few minutes later, the doorbell rings. And um, I tell my son, just go and check who's ringing the door the, the bell. Because I thought maybe it's the nanny who'd forgotten the keys to the gate. So my son goes. Um, and then a few minutes later, he comes back running. And he's really crying. And he's holding his head. And I asked him, hey, what happened? And he says, uh, dad hit me. And that was the funniest thing that through all this, he would always still call him dad. You know, he, he never disrespected him. He never showed any animosity. And I would always tell him, you know, you, you need to, 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 to be respectful. Uh, even if someone is treating you badly, um, just forgive them. Pray to God about it. Stuff like that, you know. And then, so he came and said, um, dad has hit, uh, hit me with the remote. And I can see a big bump has now formed on his head. I, I put the baby on the bed. I go and get an ice pack. I give it to my son. I, I didn't even go to ask him at that point. So I told my son, you go to your room and rest. So I finished feeding the baby and put the baby to sleep. I went and asked my son, so exactly what happened? So he said he went to open the gate and it was the guard. And the guard gave him a message to give um, to my ex. And when he went to tell him, um, he just got angry and he hit him on the head with the remote. And he told him who gave him the right to open the gate uh, without his consent and to come and give him messages from a guard ETC. So... I went now to the sitting room and asked him, hey, what happened? Why would you hit him uh, that that much for him to get a bump on his head? What is this that he did that so bad? And he got really, really angry and and uh, started abusing me, uh, said so many things. Of course, I can't recall them word for word now, but I just said so many nasty things um, during that time. And so I also got angry and we got into an altercation. So in the midst of it all, um, he pushes me out of the house and he locks the gate. So I'm out. I have a two-month-old baby in the house. I have my son in the house and the nanny is also in the house at this at this time. Luckily, I had I still had my phone in my hands. So I I picked up my phone. I called my my brother and I and I told him, hey, this is what is happening. So he called my mom and then my bro and his wife came. They tried to talk to him. Nothing much happened. He still wasn't opening. Um, finally, my mom came because she lived a bit far off. Um, and then when she came, finally, he, he opened. It was a very confusing time. It was my first time to experience physical violence at the hands of this person. It was also the first time for my son. Here I had a young baby and somehow uh, by morning he had said how sorry it was. It would not happen again, etc. So I actually didn't like file a police report or anything but i called like the guy who'd been our best man and i told him this is what is happening can you talk to your friend he said he'd have a chat with him and that's where we left it off um so i took my son to my mom's house to to stay there for a bit so that he could um, just get away from it and also like mentally and psychologically recover and he's the one who told my folks that um during this uh, argument when he was being beaten my ex called him a bastard and so he was asking the grandmother what does a bastard mean so really hard to hear that because uh, you're trying to create a home for your child uh, with this person and it's like being torn in two different worlds because I love my ex, I love my son, 
and uh, yet he totally he totally hated him and i couldn't wrap my head around it like how can you love me but you hate my child you know um so it was very very traumatizing then i have a new baby and maybe i'd have left at that point but in hindsight i think because of the new baby i kept thinking that it will work because of this new baby and because these two siblings would love each other he would also somehow come to accept all of us i tried to talk to his family his sisters they had a standard response that um he's very a uh, one one way one street minded and if he puts his mind to something his mind can't be changed etc but they tr- i would say one of them tried a bit but i never felt like that 100% support anyway i continue i stay um and from then on of course now their relationship went south completely um so it was always uh, full of friction i tried my best to hive out a life for my son that would in that would ensure as little contact as possible with my ex so a lot of after school activities that i would take him to that also served as a time we would spend together saturdays would go for football just try and do and then um have him go stay with with his cousins as often as possible just so he would be out of reach of my ex whenever he was around and to really like minimize the con- the co- the contacts the weird thing about this was whenever we'd visit like his home his his rural home where his father lived he would not show that side at all you know so it was like kind of living in a bipolar world if i could say that because when we went there then he would even talk to him send him to pick to get a knife when they were slaughtering the goat or to do this and so it would leave me feeling very confused because the person there and the person at home was like totally different and my son was also picking up on these things and would would say them i would also come across his journals and he would write and he would express the same things like i don't understand why this person hates me so much I don't understand why he's married to my mom and he hates me so much you know the privileges were different when his daughter came to stay with us so kushu stayed with the mom um so the daughter was allowed to watch tv she had uh, access to the wifi so many things that my son couldn't do as a normal teenager so around 2015 we moved to a new neighborhood and that's another that was like another turn um in the wheel i would say because he then now because it was a better neighborhood a, a better house and just really goes to bring home that phrase that says uh, home is where the heart is sort of how big the house is if it doesn't have love and warmth then it's not a home so he he bought new furniture some new like new seats and a new tv and gave this laundry list to my son that i only got to discover later about he should not touch the 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 new tv and the one time he touched it he was given a punishment to kneel on the road where all the neighbors kids could see him for like 2 hours and i get called by the nanny that the the data said he shouldn't get into the house until i get home and it's like 7 pm so i'm in traffic coming from work i get home like 8:30 pm and uh, i find my son is locked in the room and he says he was told not to leave the room 
he has not eaten, he's not showered. And I asked him, why, how would you punish a nine-year-old, nine-ten-year-old to that extent, you know? And what he would do was he would always then just like go mom, you know? Like just look at you and he's not talking. So that would used to be the sisu of our marriage. So we'd have periods, one, two months when we're in good times and we're talking, then he'd go quiet for three, four months. Then we'd have another dip. It was actually like perpetually being on a roller coaster. In 2017, uh, my son came and told me, um, you know one mom, I think I'd like to try a boarding school. And we had a long chat about it. And he told me, yeah, the reason I want a boarding school is because I like it here with you and with my sister. But uh, dad is always on my neck. So I'd, I'd like a boarding school because then it would minimize the time I'm at home and then when I come for holidays we can just do stuff with you and and my sister when I come for midterm and you guys can visit me in school and I think I'd, I'll be better that way and then he told me I'd like a school that um, also can uh, help me pursue his extracurricular activities what he likes doing and so we shopped around and we got a school that he likes and I took him off to boarding school. Having my child in boarding school again I was so torn apart because I would go and visit him and he would be so happy in school, but then I missed him terribly and the home just didn't seem complete. Yes, I had uh, my daughter, but I always felt like I've abandoned him. I've chosen that option or agreed with him on that option because of cowardice or because I was unable to take a stance on what I needed to do. So December of 2017, Sunday morning, and I uh, preparing the kids to go to church so i used to go to, the, to, to church with the kids only by myself so i would um, prepare the baby and then uh, have them leave them having their breakfast and then i'd go to get ready so that we can leave so that's what i do on that particular sunday morning so i get the baby ready and then i leave her downstairs with her brother while um, he's also having his breakfast and then i go upstairs to get ready and then when i come out of the bathroom i i find my ex is still in bed um, so I get my stuff and, and I go downstairs and I find the baby by herself. Um, so I'm wondering, where's my son and why did he leave? So I go back upstairs and I find him in his room. And so I ask him, what happened? Why did you come back upstairs? And you've not finished your breakfast and you're supposed to be watching the baby. And he says, oh, I was told to come and stay in my room. And uh, my dad told me he never wants to see me in his face again. And he doesn't want us in the same space. And I was shattered and I was so devastated. I couldn't even figure out how to talk to him again. So I just told the kids, let's go and uh, let's leave. So we went to church and I didn't even talk. I didn't even talk to him about it. I couldn't. For like two weeks, I couldn't say a single thing. And so I left, uh, went to church. Two weeks later... Finally, just before Christmas, I sat him down and asked him, why would you tell that to a child again? He just responds with a one-liner that, yeah, probably I shouldn't have said that. Didn't apologize to him or anything, so I left it at that. We went to, again, his rural home for the holidays and came back. Um, shortly thereafter, I come home from work one day, and uh, my, my daughter, and she was a baby then, she was about uh, two years, she had not even turned three. We are in a conversation, so we talk about her day in the evening, and she tells, she asks me, you know, this is what my, my baba told me today. And I say, no, what did you, what were you told today? And uh, she says, he told me 
never to speak about X again. So X being my uh, her brother and my son, not to ever tell him about him. Because I think maybe they were in a conversation and maybe she started saying what they do or something. And that was his response. And so again, I asked him, now you've taken this a notch higher because now you're poisoning essentially this child against her brother, you know. And they have a gap between them quite a number of years. So it was that relationship of she adores him, like, you know, this is my big brother. And uh, of course, to him, he's like, this is my sister. She's always very protective and, and everything. And those two things coming so close to each other just made me withdraw more and more. Around that time, I had applied for their passports at immigration. And so it was taking rather long to get them out. And so after a lot of back and forth and going to their offices, ETC, I finally found out that uh, he had written a letter to them to the effect that um, his, my son's passport should not be processed, you know. And so that's why they were holding the file. But after going there and, and talking through with them and explaining to them what the, the situation was, they then told me what documentation I needed to submit because uh, my son's birth certificate was blank. And he went ahead and told, on the father's name, and he went ahead and told them that, no, this child has a father, this is the father's name, and provided details of his name because I had told him about it, you know. And so he should be on the child's documents, etc. Finally, it was processed because by that time, uh, we were in the new constitution, which states that birth uh, certificates must have their the father's names. Yeah, in this day and age, whether they want, whether they want to or not so we had to process a new one with the dad's name and so at that time again we had to get into the conversation with him of um, yeah this is your dad's name and this is do you remember we talked about this is what happened and i told him now what this means is that um, if you need to travel before you're 18 or anything then you need to get his consent and so i asked do you want to meet him so that we need to if we get to that, it's easier. He said, no, I'd prefer if you just got the consent from him and uh, did that. And, so, and sure enough, a few months later, he had to go on a school trip. Uh, when I contacted the dad, he didn't have any qualms. He just said, I hope this, this doesn't mean that I need to, to be present. And I said, no, uh, but because you're on the birth certificate, then you just need to sign the documentation. And he and he did. So that's the one other time that I've had contact with him from when his son was born. So that again marked... Uh, quite a shift because again I was just getting jaded as time went on. So during that time we increasingly grew apart and I stopped trying. So before then I really like used to try even when he would have those periods of silence and what is it called kneel by mouth I would I would really try to get into conversation, apologize even for things I hadn't done and stuff like that. But this time I just stopped, you know. I just stopped and I said, you know, until I get my head into a space where I know what I want to do with this uh, marriage, let me just focus on my kids, you know, and that's what I would do. I started, cultivated my relationships again with my friends, with uh, with my family. I didn't stop, like, spending a lot of time with my family because he had this thing of, oh, I don't want you talking to people about our staff and you guys are too tight and if you tell them about us you know stuff like that and only now in hindsight when i went for counseling later is that the counselor told me in just within a few visits 
which we we had done joint counseling when things got really bad and she told me you're dealing with a narcissist and this is what they do and they pull you away from all the people that care about you so that so that you feel so alone that you're unable even to voice about the things that are happening so many people my friends even my family sometimes other than the things my son would tell them like the grandparents or like his aunt about what was happening none of us ever like spoke about it a lot so on the outward it looked like this fairy tale of the you know these happy homes happy marriages but the what was happening behind the walls was a really really dark stuff but very well hidden so by then it was um, 2018 things were were not good at all and i remember going on several work trips and wishing the plane could be delayed uh, you know when you wish kq can do their kenya airways can do their thing and so that i don't get home on time uh, because i really just didn't want to be there first forward to late 2018 things then got really bad by then he had started monitoring all my uh, i think tapping my phones monitoring my movement stuff questioning who i was with what i was doing who I was seeing who I was talking to being very um, emotionally abusive he had always been but then now this was a notch higher you know stuff like verbalizing it now like if you leave where do you think because i think by then having tapped my phones and stopped on my conversations he knew like i was talking to a couple of people about the possibility of living so stuff like where would you go who would have you etc who, who wants a single mom with two kids from two different fathers stuff like that and then i found you when you're in, a, in your mother's house yes you had a job but you didn't even have a house you didn't have anything and i'd worked damn hard for for for, for what we had you know i wasn't one of those people where i moved he moved into my house i bought stuff for that house we contributed to purchasing that home that we were living in both of us so it wasn't like i was riding on his money or anything like that but it would be made to be seem like i was such a um, damn good for nothing person who would never have amounted to anything were it not for him last straw then you ask what eventually happened you know for 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 me to leave and it was all those things kind of like creeping up over the over the years but then with the last few months with all the um, uh, abuse and then someone constantly lecturing me like every single day for the last six months every morning and every night after work it was just insults and abuse about what i wasn't doing you know by this time he had worked out of a very well-paying job he used to earn five or six times what i used to do there was um I'm paying bills for the house and even I'm giving him an allowance I'm doing so much but I'm just getting you know um, a lot of insults and stuff and so the last straw came in the form of a very simple materialistic thing if I could call it that um so I had a car which had been giving me issues and then at that point in time my sister had relocated and so two things that happened when she was relocating the stuff that she wasn't putting in storage because she didn't want like to sell it she'd asked myself and my bro to like pick out what we both needed or wanted and to keep it so I'd gotten a few thing a uh, few things from her some 
some beds for the kids, some bookshelves, um, curtains, just some some home stuff, you know. And then her car, she was also 50-50. She had said she might want to sell it, depending on how long she thought she'd be away. But on the other hand, she was like, um, I'd rather sell it to someone I know and maybe someone who can sell it back to me back to her when she came back you know and so we reached an agreement and i told her okay i'll keep it for you for a few months like four months when you come for your first holiday you can have it for use because she's coming for like three weeks and then after that if you want to sell it i can find a buyer for you then during that discussion when my car started giving me issues i asked her hey can i buy this car off you and but i'd have to like pay you in bits and pieces and she's like yeah that's fine so i actually had the courtesy to ask him you know like this is what i'm thinking of doing and and then he said yeah i think you need to to buy it in fact like looking back it was almost like pressure yeah you need to buy it um yeah it would be good to have another car etc so i i go ahead and we go ahead with the transaction and then halfway there he then flips on me and it's because i later discovered he had come across a conversation between me and my sister where i'm confiding in her and telling her uh you know i don't think this thing is working and i'd like to leave but um these are the things i'm thinking about and so he said uh he said saying you know she's the bad influence on your life she's the one who's telling you uh what to do in life so in fact i don't, I don't even want any of the stuff here so all the stuff you got from her house and she was moving i need you to take it away and even this guy don't want it here and so i took down the stuff he went down to the extent of pulling down like all the family portraits that had me my son and my folks or my siblings in it he pulled down all of them and threw them out so i took all the stuff, put it in boxes and took it to my office. Then one day I come home and I find at the gate, the guards refuse to open. And they tell me, we've been told you can enter, but this car can't enter. So I park the car outside and walk in. It's one of those gated places. So it's like parking your car outside the estate, you know. So I left the car and I would leave it there for about a week. Then I thought, okay, this is not safe even for this car. So I took it to a friend's place as I tried to clear my head. So I then asked and he said, no, until, until I'm sure it's not a gift that you've actually paid for it, then that's when it will be allowed in. So I actually took a loan and paid my sister for it and then showed him the documentation. And he still had the nerve to like say, I've changed my mind. I don't want us to buy that car. So I flipped and I said, you know what? Um, it's, not a, a, it's not up to you anymore. I bought it, I bought it, and that's it. So I went to work only to come back and find again the guards have been told not to let me in. And this time he'd actually done an email to the guards, to the security company, to the estate management committee and everyone. So it was a whole like buzz, you know, this is what is happening, etc. And so I got really pissed off, you know. That's when I said, you know, as I said, as what seemed like a simple materialistic thing is what flipped me over the edge. And so I wrote back and I told the guards in Kono right to stop me from entering. I'm also a co-owner in that place and I'm entitled to get into my own home. And of course he saw the response and he came back and he was so livid. And it was a very nasty weekend of course a lot of um uh, anchor he was throwing my stuff around he was and the baby was there and he was just saying all sort of nasty things and so at that particular point that's when i said you know this is it and so i was just waiting for the opportune moment the following week one day i went to work and i just couldn't settle i just couldn't sit and work and i just left everything went back home 
picked up my kids because my son was on half term with just the clothes we were wearing and we left. And that's how I left and that's how it ended. I was given shelter by by one of my cousins. By this time, I told my, my sis this is what I wanted to do. And so they knew and they had discussed and they had found this a, pl- a place to live. So when I left, I went and I, I stayed there and then I filed for divorce and I filed for custody. And I thought it was going to be a normal process. The first hearing uh, when we went to court for the custody proceeding, we're in court and so I'm there with my lawyer, and he's there with his lawyer at that time. I've left the ki- the kids with my with the nanny, and my folks are there as well with me in court. As we in court, then his lawyer stands up and um, and says uh, they filed some papers, and they wanted the magistrate to make a ruling. It's an urgent application. It's in the best interest of the children. The children are, are in danger, something. So I'm getting confused. I'm like, what's happening? And so my advocate then says they've just received the papers that morning and he says they would need time to to review and to consult. And so the magistrate declines to give the orders um, for the, because they were asking for the kids to be separated. And I didn't understand why at that point. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. That is part one of Valentine's Story. Part two will be in episode 119, aka next week's episode. And to be quite frank, you normally hear these stories. This is not the first story, well, personally, that I've heard of a step-parent really being vicious and abusive to the child that is not biologically theirs. But to really, I don't know, there's a way she did it in, in just being so vulnerable and open with with us where you really go through the paces of what that looks like on a day-to-day so i remember when i was recording this story when she started talking about the court process i was like no after everything you've been through surely you deserve this to be an effortless break and the turns this story took really had me just looking at human beings like how can one person be this mean already you've already done so much damage Ah, hands down this is definitely one story that's going to sit with me for the rest of my life but as i said the second part of the story will be in next week's episode in the meantime do remember just like valentine did you too can share your story on this podcast if you check out the show notes there's a link to a form that if you want to share a story on this podcast, you just fill in the form and I'll get back to you. Alternatively, you can record a one-minute story demo, send that to the Legally Clueless hotline via WhatsApp, and then I'll get back to you on that front. So the Legally Clueless hotline, aka WhatsApp number, is plus 254-768-628-790. Also remember that this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya, every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. and every Friday at 12 noon as well. So head over to traceradio.co.ke for a list of all the frequencies that you can catch this podcast on there. For those of you who are in Kenya, and of course on that website, you can also stream Trace Radio there as well. As mentioned earlier, audio episodes got every Monday morning and the video series we're 
really close to wrapping season one. You can check that out on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As I said, I'm not going to talk too much in this one. Navigating some shit in my life. (laughs) So send me all the grace as possible and I'll catch you in next week's episode. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.